which sets up things nicely for my guests this half hour. The removal of the homeless encampments in Edmonton definitely has been a good first step. But we are kidding ourselves if we think other ones aren't going to pop up down the road. It is a frustrating game of whack-a-mole and one that isn't isolated to this city. Every major Canadian city has faced this challenge which is really just an ugly symptom of homelessness in Canada. For all the years, though, that communities have been dealing with it, uh, a true solution has eluded them. This week, five writers with years of experience working with Edmonton's unhoused, from mental health to housing to policing, penned an excellent op-ed piece in the Edmonton Journal. I encourage you to look it up and have a read. Right now, though, I, I want to bring in two of those authors of the op-ed piece that laid out some some simple solutions. Dr. John Lilly, former vice chair of the Edmonton Police Commission, joining us this afternoon. Dr. Lilly, thanks so much for your time. Angela, it's a pleasure that uh, you're interested and I'm hoping the audience will learn. Well, there is a lot of interest in this topic for sure. David Berger, former Deputy Executive Director of Boyle Street Community Services, also was part of this op-ed piece. David, thanks as well for joining us. Well, thank you, Angela. Thank you for inviting us. And even when I see the headline that says three simple ways to help the homeless in Edmonton, Really simple, because this has been such a complex problem. Why don't I start off with John and your time with the Edmonton Police Commission, what you saw when it came to homelessness and how we have ultimately come to this point in time with the encampments we're dealing with. Well, Angela, I was on the commission uh, sort of at the uh, the midpoint or later point of the first uh, planned end homelessness in Edmonton. Uh, and I think there were a lot of learnings starting to come to the fore at the time. At first, it was thought it would be simple to uh, find people without a home and give them a home. And that would be the end of it. But over time, they learned that people come in gradients of uh, ability uh, due to their circumstance, whether it's a head injury, whether it's uh, accumulation of adverse childhood incidents, uh, what happens is that they cannot necessarily make the decisions. And just as you identified, the social isolation is another factor. So you can get people housed, but can you keep them housed? And that was coming to the fore. Uh, when I first joined the Commission, Rod Connect announced the uh, sobering center a sobering and assessment center, pretty lousy name. I yeah. asked him to change it, but that was the first concept of moving uh, forward on dealing with a more complex to house and support people. David, with the, I wouldn't want to say advent of encampments, but I feel like it was around COVID that we started seeing them pop up in major centers, whether it was Edmonton, Toronto. Uh, talk about how we have seen these encampments build. Well, I think you raise a very, <clears throat> a very good point, Angela. Um, and uh, as a result of COVID, uh, we started to see about another 1,000 people uh, who were homeless and uh, on the street. And when we asked the question, who are these new 1,000? It was very difficult to, uh, to find out. And I'm not even sure we know today uh, what the description is of who, who, is, uh, who these new 1,000 people are. Uh, 
I'll give you one example. Um, uh, prior to COVID, or at least one theory, prior to COVID, uh, we had lots of people who were working as casual laborers, and that was what was keeping them housed largely. Uh, that extra bit of income from casual labor, occasional labor, was uh, keeping them in there wherever they were living. With COVID, uh, those jobs disappeared, and uh, I've, my guess is a number of the folks that we see on the street were as a result of that circumstance. I think there's a whole bunch of reasons, as uh, John alluded to earlier, and I think one of the things we say in the article uh, that appeared uh, in yesterday's journal was that we need to find out more about who's on the street, who's homeless, who's in the shelters, who's in the encampments. We only we seem to have some basic information. We know that there's a significant proportion that are indigenous. We also know, for example, that 20 percent uh, are youth. Uh, let's find out more who and why folks are in encampments, in shelters, and couch surfing, and uh, that will help us uh, develop some preventative strategies, but also what we can do uh, going forward. David, I actually was surprised by the statistics that showed 48% are women. I, I mean, again, I, we don't have a clear picture of the homeless, and I thought it would be a higher percentage of men. Yeah, it's it's um, it is disturbing. Uh, it's worrisome. It's one part of equality that we wouldn't want to see. It's no. It's, it's there's no advantage to having more men or more women or an equal proportion. At the end of the day, there's too many people. At least three thousand people uh, that are on the street in shelters, in encampments, and that's not a number that we can uh, support. Uh, back to Dr. John Lilly, John, uh, guest this afternoon, former vice chair of the Edmonton Police Commission. Uh, picking up on what David is talking about when it comes to the face, like who is on the street, I, I also want to I want you to touch on how it has changed how we deal with people who are uh, released from incarceration, because this was another simple measure that was promoted in the article in the journal. Well, Angela, to answer the second one first, uh, there was a recent paper which looked at the uh, the what happened with people leaving incarceration. Oftentimes, they're leaving on probation. Sometimes they complete their sentence and they leave without probation. And they're in the worst circumstance because they may get the bus ticket, which will get them to downtown Edmonton. But uh, what then? And at least with a probation officer, there's going to be some guidance. But generally speaking, I believe the probation officers are only focused on the individual meeting conditions. They're not about, well, uh, where are you going to live? How are you going to live? Uh, they're not about ensuring that they can keep their belongings secure and not associate with the wrong people. So I'm not sure that the probation officers are the full answer to the prisoners. 
I want to finish it off with uh, David Berger. David, the, the third, because we've covered the number one as far as just starting to address this, knowing who is on the street. And then the second one, as John talks about, is just the way we actually deal with people who are recently released, if more has to be done. The third, uh, when you uh, addressed it in the opinion piece, is just the challenge of encampments. Some people, and I think ever since COVID, they don't want to go back into a shelter. They want to stay in encampments. How do we how do we deal with something that is probably going to be around for a while? Well, you know, in a in a kind of a perverse way, with all the camps being, or the at least eight of the camps being dismantled, and as we as you mentioned, they're going to be reestablished. This is also an opportunity too, if we're going to have, so to speak, greenfield sites where people are moving to those new sites or those old sites that were cleared, there is an opportunity to make those sites safer, to bring more resources to the encampments. And if they're cleared now, it's a kind of a new, in a perverse way, a new beginning because people are going to return to those sites. There's an opportunity there to keep them safe, bring more resources to the sites, bring street outreach and some on-site resources as well that are consistently there to bridge to the street outreach people. So as difficult as the circumstances are now for the people who live near encampments, for the people who are in encampments, there is this odd opportunity to make new encampments better places for engagement and better places to get people off the street. Well, you know what? You have definitely uh, tweaked our uh, textures, and I'm going to share some of those later on this afternoon. But uh, thank you so much, Dr. John Lilly, former vice chair of the Edmonton Police Commission. Thanks, John. Thank you, Angela. And David Berger, former deputy executive director of Boyle Street Community Services. Uh, Thank you as well, David. Thank you, Angela.